Hey, you beautiful fucks, this is episode 15 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. We grow up with a set of principles that determine our habits and standard of living, influencing our choices, thoughts, our dreams. The most indelible moments of my life are experiences and encounters with people that challenged how I viewed the world, dramatically altering my choices thereafter. With building momentum, a consistently familiar environment, I saw people develop chronic complacency and the aversion to discomfort. Phoenix Chicken was one of the indelible moments of my life. For her, art came first. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Let's begin. artist I do sculpture building things um I'm a spoken word artist poet um performance artist um what what else do I do I'm uh, I'm training to be a body worker no body worker as a massage therapist therapist. what inspired massage therapist um needed a day job that's the unfortunate reality of yeah. things. Um, but also, it's like one of those, it's it's another, it's like, so I need a day job. What's the thing? I Like, I used to have, like, a professional gig. I used to work in construction management. Yeah. And um, I was an energy auditor, so like a fancy building inspector. And so I was, like, mm-hmm. kind of at the top of, like, where I could go with that within my values. Because I, I was focused on energy conservation and green building and all all of those things, and it still wasn't satisfying me or making me happy. And so I was like, okay, just gonna go and do art full time. So <laughs> oh that's what I've been gosh. doing for the past three years is, is doing art full time. Wow! And, and so before you got into, um, I guess, doing the construction management and um, mm-hmm. inspired by your energy comp conservation mm-hmm. uh, were you into art that much before or was this just like a sudden explosion of like i'm gonna do this i've always been into art uh-huh. and so it was kind of one of those things that i was gonna do eventually yes oh, okay. you know and so like the idea is that like oh i'll do that once i get established enough mm-hmm. um but i mean the transition to doing art full-time was sort of a mental breakdown as much as anything yeah i think it almost always is with a lot of people i can't not do this yeah <laughs> i can't put this off any longer it's like that that's kind of where i got to yeah. to a point was that um I was putting it off saying, you know, I, I'll do this later or um, I'll do this when I have my life together. So and right, so when forth. I have my life together. Yeah, exactly. And the pressure just built, built uh-huh. and then popped. Yeah. And yeah, I just created a sudden shift. And now I'm like spending literally every waking moment trying to facilitate my art. But anyway, um, with I see I always see it as like a systems approach kind of. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's the guy who wrote um, Dilbert author of that comic strip yeah. he always talks about um operating out of the systems approach oh. whereas when you pursue something it overlaps 
on all the other things that you desire. So like through massage school, for instance, mm -hmm. is it, um, what do you call it? It also builds skills that are relative to your art. Yeah. Just like with my work, even though I fucking hate it and I have to do it because I do have to survive, uh -huh. at least right now, I meet people yeah. and then they teach me or I get a network that way. And then also I get to learn how to run my own business, essentially. Yeah. But um, anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, the so um, like looking for looking at careers that fit within what I what I want to be doing mm -hmm. and like are good stable backup things. Yes. Yeah. So having a massage license and maintaining it and doing those continuing education, like mm -hmm. I mean, I really want to go to all of the workshops, like the continuing yeah. education workshops, um, to be a massage therapist. And I have this interest, like bringing my art together with um, therapy uh -huh. and like the interest in doing essentially art therapy or like counseling art therapy is in so what is art therapy exactly like that's a good question because it has so many different expressions mm -hmm. um so the in the way the art therapy that you find valuable or intriguing what, what would that be exactly well for me it would be basically helping people to find their creative expression oh, i see and i think that is almost an integral part to um, each and every one of us kind of like what we were talking about before with the pressure building 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 right. Oh, right some people they never get to that point and then they just lead a life of quiet desperation so right. i find that very interesting right yeah so um it's a it's an ongoing exploration because i mean even while i'm in school mm -hmm. Um, I can sort of feel this momentum building with my art, which oh. is exciting. Like, it's just started doing uh, one drawing a day oh, well, not, not, on my cool? Instagram. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's pretty much um, the work that I've been doing this year. And the, the momentum builds, and I just spent two weeks in Houston, Texas with my buddy writing a show. Whoa, what kind of show? That's so cool. It's a, um, it's a spoken word, it's a combination of spoken word and music. Oh. So weaving his music with my spoken word and it's a, it's a two, it's sort of a two character play. Yes. As a dialogue between the activist and the man. That's pretty cool. So yeah. it's like that exploration of the different perspectives and the relationship between the two. Uh-huh. Wow. But the idea, too, like, we specifically wanted to imagine, like, it's not just, like, up to the revolution. Mm -hmm. It's like, it starts at the revolution and then goes beyond. Uh -huh. Because, like, we live right now in this, like, apocalyptic mindset. Mm-hmm. And, like, people don't, you know, it's like, you have the revolution, blah, 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 for freedom. And then, like, people don't really think think past that like what do you do after the revolution like how do you learn how to govern yourself like because mm -hmm. there's what it's one thing to be against yes and to protest and be like you're no good and then it's a completely other thing to like come together mm -hmm. create it's, solutions basically. exactly and so so that's the idea of the show is like navigating that space of how do we figure that fuck out how to like get along and like govern ourselves oh. and it's this idea that like that this is a thing that's happening that's just happening like the idea <clears throat> a really core principle behind the play is the idea that the magic of leadership is dying yeah oh because the mythology of our time is the mythology of the savior oh 
of somebody who's going to come along and fix things. Yes, exactly. Right? And so, like, the idea right now is we're all, like, becoming the saviors of our own stories. Like, that's the healing. Yeah. And so then if we're all the, our own hero, then we're not waiting for somebody to come along and fix things. We're just doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's kind of the idea. Of, like, so that's the, the storyline of the play is that, like, here's this catalyst slash, like, lightning rod mm-hmm. for it. And that she's going to draw all of the attention from the man, from the authority, and they're going to work to suppress her. But the more they work to suppress her, the more it is happening, right? Because that which you resist persists. Yeah, exactly. So that's building the pressure. Uh Um, And so then the whole culture just kind of like, it's just like this shift that's happening. Yes. I imagine it like... The zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. has happened. Like we are in the middle of, we are post zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Everybody is infected. <laughs> but then there's like, but then we're like, there's people and we all just sort of like milling about being zombies. And then people are starting to develop immunity. Uh, and I so see. like people are like, that's the waking up yeah. idea. And so then it's like, like what, what do you do when you suddenly wake up and you realize that everybody around you is a zombie? Yeah. Oh. You know? And then, uh, but then, yeah. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too because um, I guess related to that point is with social media and our all of our access to information that we have almost facilitated this hive mindage, and we have all become almost equal in our own power right. because we have become equal in our power to report, right. or equal in our power to uh, be able to disseminate information across the masses. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see how it's playing out because even like a like this first election, for instance, I know we've had the internet, but now it is, um, it's so common mm-hmm. within our people. And like it, people are, everyone has a pretty high skill level of use of the internet. Yeah. So much so that, that we were able to like for Hillary Clinton and for Donald Trump, we we're able to compare um, past speeches. We're able to dig up from an archive that we, that is a public archive that we that we possess that is unalterable unless it is by the community at large and compare it. So it's almost like if just a high mind kind of thing. And I find it interesting though, with what you're saying and in terms of um, empowering the individual to be our own leaders is that we're almost gaining control over our own selves in a lot of ways. It's almost a freedom above a freedom. And it's, it's interesting to see how what's happening now with our current elections and stuff like that, because not to get political, yeah. but it because of like um, social media and everyone having a voice now, and you're able. So before, if we had an idea and we disagreed with something, or someone disagreed with something, the news would have to decide that that's a very good thing to display and broadcast. Mm-hmm. But now that's not the case at all. That we have all these echo chambers, and if all these other people, most of the people on Facebook, for instance, agree with what you're saying, then they're going to share it and they're going to amplify it. Right. And then, th- then you become louder than the news, or yeah. you become louder than you know, so on. All these systems that were in place, mm-hmm. and it, it's also interesting for art though as well, because you're able to put out your art with a limited amount of cost. Right. And if people like it, if it's marketable it will be shared by the community, by your audience. But anyway. Yeah. And so with how did that happen? Like, Tell me about the story of um, how you got from Bellingham all the way down to Texas. Like, 
How does that? Because a lot of people would see something like that, like that opportunity came up, yeah, and it would be that would be overwhelming. Like they couldn't come up with the money or something like that. Or how yeah. are they going to get down there? So what what drove you to get down there, and how did you facilitate that means? Because you don't, you know, you don't have noodles of money, right? And, um, well, my buddy Matthew used to live up here in uh -huh. Bellingham, um, and. He's a singer-songwriter, and we're, like, on very similar wavelengths. So he's an oh, cool. ex-seminarian. What's that? Uh, he, in school to be a priest. Oh, okay, that's cool. What they, that's the college that you go to to be a spiritual wow. whatever. And so in the Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. um, and so that journey is deeply embedded in his music. Yeah, His wow. performance. And I went to a Jesuit college. I have a humanities degree. Um catholic school like all of that so like like that so that's all so deeply embedded in my material so we have a lot of like resonant themes in our work um and so then he moved to houston because his son is there um and his son's mom moved to houston because she got a job there being the director of a hospital chaplain program because she is an Episcopal priest. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then, so then, so he and I were talking and we just wanted to do a project together and he was so excited and enthusiastic about it that he wanted to pay for half my plane ticket. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So then, and like, we're both dead broke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, most of us are. It's right. It's reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, so, so we just made it happen. And then, so I'm in school full time right now. So the only time I had available was Christmas break. Yeah. So I went, um, so I was just like, all right. And then I um, have anxiety in general and have a hard time planning things. And so I made him right. buy the plane ticket. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then he bought the plane ticket and he decided to buy the plane ticket. He was making this very, like, calculated decision of making the project from, like, okay, we're going to do this from, from the new moon to the full moon. And no, no, the no. full moon was, like, Christmas Day, and he bought my return plane ticket for the day after Christmas, and I've never not been to Christmas with my family. Oh, God. And so, like, he made this decision, and I was expecting him to get a plane, my plane ticket to return the day before Christmas. Yeah. So then he sent it to me, and, and I was like, <gasps> oh, okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. And so like She's the reality. Yeah, I know. So like and normally there's a bunch of Christmas parties and like family. My dad has a big family. And it's like there's a lot to be part of in yes. Christmas. And so it was this just this reality of like fucking no, I'm doing this art. Like this is serious. Like I am into this. I'm doing this art. I'm basically working mm -hmm. over Christmas break. I'm not taking vacation. Yeah. Um and then um yeah, and we just did it, and we did a broadcast on oh. Christmas Day. What? Yeah. That's so cool. Of the Revolution of Kindness broadcasting. And, like, we thought it was funny, too, because, like, that we're broadcasting out of Houston, Texas, because Houston is sort of the crotch of the country. Yeah. Down there at the bottom. <laughs> that um, is so awesome. Yeah, so so we did that, and that was really fun. Um, and we, so it was a house show mm -hmm. um, at his house, and there were a good amount of people there. 
Really? Yeah, which is, is great because it's, you know, it's in Houston. <clears throat> yeah, Houston is a good scene from what I understand. It's yeah, really good art yeah, it's surprising. And I mean, it's nice. It's one of those things where it's nice because it's small. Mm -hmm. So it's accessible. Yeah. Even though it's a huge city and blah, 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 Houston politics, heart of the beast. <laughs> but that makes it really easy to find the people that you do want to connect with. It's very true. That's why um, one of the many reasons why I ended up over in this area, yeah. what I wanted my son over in this area for is because that there are all of these characters or um, groups of people that can inspire you and mm -hmm. also, you know, you can connect with as well yeah. and create that momentum. Yeah. And so, um, what you call it? So when you, <clears throat> was that your first time doing a performance like that? It's my first time doing a collaboration like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. so that's exciting. So we're planning, he's hopefully going to come up to Bellingham for the summer. Uh-huh. And, um, and we'll do a little tour show. We'll, like, present the show wow, together. That's so cool. Yeah. And um, so have you done a lot of, like, commissioned performances before? Or, I mean, performances in front of audiences that, like... So, for instance, we have vocal mics, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also, though, like, I've seen you perform... Um, not at Iowa Wild, but at, oh, like... Really yeah, exactly. So, those kinds of things, were you invited to those, or just on a whim, did you just find a way to get in? Well, Black Bellingham is basically an open mic. Uh-huh. So, oh, anybody really? can sign up, yeah. Ooh, that's really cool. Right? It's the best open mic in town. Oh. The biggest audience. Um, But, yeah, so, so far, I've mostly just been doing open mics. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Because the the biggest the reason why I ask is for like a lot of people listening, and even for myself at least from what I can remember initially, uh -huh. um, biggest thing is is you're right creating that momentum. Yeah. Because I I think that momentum is how people begin to take you seriously. Like they're like, oh, this person like the difference. I always looked at someone. I'm like, oh, they're professional. Oh, yeah. they have talent. But I think the difference between uh, professionalism and talent is momentum. Right. And I, the reason why I was asking about like venues and stuff like that, mm -hmm. because people always look and they don't see the actual path to arrive there. Right. And in my experience, it's literally just jumping in the water. Right. And the, uh, and then Isle Wild too. That was something else that I wanted yeah. to talk about. I actually, so I went there for the first time uh -huh. this summer with Little Man going back next summer too excellent but uh, how did you get like how did that all happen <laughs> i because i just saw that you went there and i'm like oh that looks cool i'm gonna take him we just excellent. Went. right but uh, yeah i'm curious so um i got connected with isle wild because i went on something called mob roll mob roll yeah which is cool. a bicycle tour from bellingham to seattle Bicycle tour, hip hop rap artist <laughs> performance tour. That is cool. Yeah, and it's basically open for anybody to show up. And it's a bunch of guys that grew up on the Kitsap Peninsula. Uh huh. And it's led primarily by two guys. Um, who, who one is a bike builder who builds bikes for a living, and his company. Oh, it was Bombas. What is it now? Uh, Salish Cycles. Salish Cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, um, and Shane Node, who is a poet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and they both grew up on the Kitsap Peninsula, and they, this is just something they've been doing. And last year was, I think, the sixth year. And so it's building momentum. Um, and 
I was the only woman performing, <laughs> and mm -hmm. apparently I'm the only person who's ever shown up randomly, because I, so Future Man at the Alternative Library grew yeah. up on the Kitsap Peninsula, and so he knows those guys, and he told me about it two years ago, uh -huh. and he was like, dude, you should do this, this would be your scene, mm -hmm. and I was like, too scared. Oh it. gosh, tell me about it. Those nerves are all coming for me. Social anxiety. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh. like, yeah. And I almost didn't go this year, but I'm apparently the only person who's just like shown up randomly without knowing anybody and yeah. actually done the whole two weeks. Oh my god! But there's not that many great opportunities to do spoken word performance. Yeah. In Bellingham. That, that is true. I've noticed that between Bellingham and Everett, and then Seattle, they have some uh, yeah. venues, but not quite. So I mean, so that was a really because I was terrified. I mean, a first of all, I'm like my poetry is all about feelings and healing. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. They're not going to like it, all these dudes. And then I, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it anyways. Every step of the way, I was like, this is horrible, but I'm doing it anyways. Yes. I'm doing it Stepping anyways. closer oh. to the ledge. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's literally just like, was there, and like, they love my poetry. And I was like a complete neurotic mess the entire time. And they just like held space. I mean, they weren't like super attentive or like, Oh, you're fine, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, like, then I stood up and performed, and they're like, whoa. Yes. Oh, and that's the greatest feeling, too, is when all of your fears and doubts have been um, completely banished because yeah. you realize that all of that was just a construct of your fucking mind. Right? And yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah, it's so exciting. So, I mean, that's also my, um, my current mantra is, Disregard all bullshit. Yes. Make awesome shit. Yeah, that's exactly mine is uh, um, find peace and discomfort. And yeah. there, there is no discomfort. There is only sensation. Right. Yeah. It's cold showers really help me with that because like, when you get into cold showers, so uh -huh. you, uh, initially when you get in, it's yeah. you'll shiver and then there's pain. Yeah. Um, but after a while, the pain disappears, and it actually get tingling while you're in the shower. Yeah, it's good for your system. It, it is, and so now when I get in the shower, though, and I take uh -huh. a cold shower, I don't shiver. I don't feel pain. I literally feel like there's some weird monster just tickling my entire body. And that has taught me that every form of discomfort that I've ever felt is merely my, my, my a safety mechanism, uh -huh. and a lot of the time it's wrong. Yeah. And so if I can just see past that, then... Mm -hmm. I do all this crazy ass shit. Yeah. And, um, anyways, you can go on totally. with the story. Well, yeah. So, um, on mob roll, um, we passed through Vashon Island. Uh -huh. And when we got to Vashon Island, we picked up this, this cool lady named Riley. And she's oh, a Vashon yeah, kid. Cool. Yeah, Riley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She came on mob roll and, um, she told me about Idlewild. Um, yeah. So then uh -huh. I went to Idlewild. Well, so, Riley told me about Iowa and she told me about Adam, mm -hmm. yeah, um, okay. the guy that runs it. And then, um, so Jason Webley mm -hmm. is a singer songwriter and he, um, started his own little festival, um, on Camino Island in June. So Mob Roll happened in May. And then, um, once Jason Webley's festival, um, was in June. And so, Riley and Adam and I, I gave them a ride. I picked them up mm -hmm. and we all went to once together. Wow. And so that was the first time I had met Adam, but he was doing his puppet show there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen his puppet show. It's really, oh, it's, yeah. Really? Weird. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Delightfully weird. Um, yeah. So, um, 
yeah, so I met him there, and so then I was like, oh, well, we've just been buds for all weekend. Of course I'm coming to your festival. Yes. Um, yeah, so then so then I went to that, and um, so he and I still talk, mm-hmm. and hopefully I'm going to get him to come up to Bellingham and do his puppet show here at the Alternative Library. That would be cool. Right? Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. I've never exactly. seen a puppet show before. Right. And that's what we were supposed to do when we were down in Wild, but we ended up having to go because Little Man was not having it or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. But, um, and so Isle Wild, though, uh, uh-huh. what, what is Isle Wild, just for the audience, I guess? Isle Wild is, is, um, it's, it's part retreat, mm-hmm. um, and a collaborative festival. So, um, Adam's a master puppeteer. Yes. Um, and he's been doing it for, like, 30 years and mm-hmm. so it's basically an opportunity for people to go and develop their material mm-hmm. with a master and then present it and um Isle Wild hasn't always been as isolated as it is in that field um but there's something really amazing that that isolation gives you the opportunity to do so this That's sort of like artist like bold artistic exploration without you know because there's that watching eye that sort of judging eye that like potentially is like oh no that's too weird oh no that's dumb it's a filtration effect basically yeah Yeah, and so like it dilutes things and so when you have an opportunity to just sort of go off and develop things without anybody watching you and like kind of work out the kinks of whatever it is then you get bolder material Oh, I see. Um, yeah, so um, it's it's uh, it's a collaborative puppet workshop retreat. That's fucking cool. And that's what I kind of experienced there was yeah. that they being there kind of emblazoned my idea of self-expression and mm-hmm. my confidence in self-expression. Yeah. Because kind of going on that um, that that seeing eye, if you will, and that um, filtering your expression in order to, what you call it, uh, to be marketable, for instance, or yeah, likable yeah, or yeah. any of that other things, um, all the fears and self-doubts, kind of like what you're talking about before you go up and perform, was completely stripped away then. Yeah. Because it was... Um, and Adam is just like kind of pure encouragement exactly. like whatever you're doing like yes do it do it more yep exactly and it's just like not having to meet anybody and meeting them for all the first time and how open and honest yeah. and it was like oh there's just it's like I've known you guys for a while yeah. and it was really cool experience and yeah. um it's almost been fundamental in my pursuit of art because it made me pursue art first and that I got exposed. And what it was cool was, is I got exposed to somebody in terms of Adam talking with Adam. Um, and um, quite a few other people and even Garrett too, uh, people who were pursuing art and then also people who have made a life of pursuing art. Yeah. So it did not, it seemed accessible to me at that point. And I think that's the beautiful thing, even with just being exposed to like you and then like Alexander and Tracy and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, it's it's encouraged me and motivated me. And yeah, just showing me that all my fears are fucking bullshit. Right. Um, what do you call it? And especially for Little Man, too, because he's, yeah, he talks about that. 
the time. But that was like, yeah. it, it's a big thing with his own form of expression because cool. expression is not just something silly. It's yeah. something that, not even to take seriously, it's just play that is, you know, a fundamental part of your life. Yeah. And, yeah. It's yeah, play aimless fooling around. Yes, aimless fooling so around. So important. Yes, it is so oh important. Oh my god, I'm like learning to budget time for it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, because I'm a pretty intense, like a pretty busy, like full time student, and I do all this stuff, like mm -hmm. a volunteer after school art teacher. That should be something I get paid for, not a volunteer yeah. gig. Anyways, <laughs> like you know, performance art and like doing my one drawing a day, and yes. but like I'm like. Nope, I'm, I'm not available then. I'm just very important doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, need to do. I need to go for a walk with my sister. <laughs> yep, just enjoy just being. And that's yeah. it. And then, um, so tell me about the story of the people who motivated you to pursue art. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, wow. Um, it's interesting because I talk about my sister all the time. Like, my older sister, she's, like, you know, my big sister. And she traveled and did the, like, oh. kind of crusty traveling thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and she's an artist, um, which is interesting because she's not really pursuing her art. Um, she's pursuing her family, you mm -hmm. know, I and, see. like, hot, like, and that. And, yeah, and she just built a house and, and all this stuff coming together. Um but she's definitely kind of influenced me a lot of like, just fucking, just do it. Just mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, water. just do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, who are my, my artistic heroes? I mean, here in Bellingham, um, this lady named Meg Yates mm -hmm. is really great and inspiring to me. She's, she's, a. She's spreading this thing called the Revolution of Kindness, or not the Revolution of Kindness, but it's called the Star Teachings. Star Teachings. Star Teachings, oh, and they're okay. about kindness. Oh. Um, and it's a teachings that have been channeled by a by her indigenous people. Oh, wow. Um, okay. The Mi'kmaq, and so they've been kind of holding on to it for a long time, and like they kind of they got the cue that like now is the time. And so they're sharing these things. And so, like, that community has been really powerful for me mm -hmm. um, around that because the, like, main tenets of Star Teachings is these questions like, what do you want and what are you willing to do to get it? Oh, okay. And so it's, like, translates, you know, your, like, for me, it's a really powerful way of translating despair into action. I see what you're saying, using that almost in the sense of fuel and instead of burning out and, and sitting with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's been really inspiring. Um, I mean, Bellingham is full of really inspiring. Yeah, it is really interesting. The artist community here yeah. is it's, huge. As far as like other people, um, the writer Starhawk mm -hmm. has been hugely influential for me. Oh, okay. She's sort of the primary like luminary of this community called the reclaiming community. It's reclaiming community. They are people who kind of identify as like witchcraft, like uh, witches. Oh, that's right? cool. So it's like reclaiming. That's why it's called reclaiming is like, it's European. So mm -hmm. like we're essentially displaced European indigenous people. Yeah. 
and we're reclaiming that heritage uh, for ourselves. Yeah, it's a, right. And so there's a there's a it's a it's an interesting too because that community is starting to have conversations with indigenous people now, because hmm. um, that's it. It's primarily like a like a white feminist movement, uh, the reclaiming okay. community, and so like that's so that's been a huge impact on my I've been to a lot of like workshops and there's these things called witch camp mm-hmm. and so they just go and hang out together and, and do workshops for an entire week oh, wow, cool. and they're all over the world um yeah so uh Starhawk and um like the work of Michael Moore mm-hmm. and the the hero's journey oh yeah yeah I like to hear yeah yeah Michael Moore or Michael Mead mm-hmm. Michael Moore might be the, the documentary filmmaker. Michael Moore is a documentary filmmaker. Right. I think. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so anyways, but the, the guy that does the, <laughs> the hero's journey, um, Joseph Campbell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, um, what do you call it? When did you start performing? Like, when was the, what decided uh, you, what made you decide to perform for the first time? Because just like we're talking about with that anxiety, first of all, right. anxiety is not unique to you. It's literally everyone experiences it. Right. But there has, there's, it takes a large push to transcend that anxiety. So what was your large push? Uh, or what was that? If you'd like I had just come to Bellingham. Mm-hmm. And I was living in a tiny little shed out in the county on this little farm property that my sister owns. Oh, cool. And I had just gotten laid off from my last real job, mm-hmm. which was like um, in Everett, working for Snohomish County for the low income weatherization program as a building inspector. Mm-hmm. And I was, and, and so, okay, so. Backtrack yes. to 2012, the Occupy movement had just happened and just come to a close. So throughout the Occupy movement, also, I was working for Snohomish County as an energy auditor and doing that job. So it was great, you know, so I'm working for a social services agency. I've got a great job. It pays well. It basically allows me to be an a, a activist wow. at the same time. Like, I don't... I, you know, like I was able, it was able to like fuel my activism. It was, um, uh, what's the word? I was a temp. So it was something that I could come and go from. Right. So it was like the perfect gig. So that, so I went traveling in South America and then I came back and I got my old job back. Um, but while I was traveling in South America in Colombia, some really significant things happened. Cool. I mean, A, first I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Oh, no. Yeah, because I was like, you know, that whole doing it anyways thing and mm-hmm. like hurtling over the anxiety. And I was doing that except that it triggered my first like serious MS attack. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I like my left eye was paralyzed. Yeah, and so then I started, I had double vision, and I was causing vertigo, right? And it happened, it started happening right before I left on my trip, but I was, like, doing it anyways. Yes, exactly, just pushing through it. Just pushing through, except that I'd, like, 
I had a red eye flight, and blah, blah, blah. And everything just kept getting worse and worse. And so then I was like in Bogota at a hostel there and it just kept getting worse and worse. And I ended up going to the ER. Oh and so then that's when I got diagnosed. I was like in the ER for like three days. And that, and they, they diagnosed me with MS. And so then at that point, then I had information. I had a little computer with me and I could start doing research, you know, and they wanted to do the standard treatment for MS, which is basically massive doses of intravenous steroids. And you have to stay in the hospital. It's kind of like chemotherapy. Oh gosh, your trip just... Yeah, exactly. And I was like... Plummeted. Yeah. And so then I'm doing research though, and I'm like... You know, about the, like, the effectiveness of this treatment and whether uh -huh. or not, right? And so, right. And so, like, I did enough research that I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So, I left the hospital. I went to um, this little farm out in the mountains. Um, and I had been communicating with the guy there a little a little bit. So, he knew what was going on. He was like, come here. You'll be fine. Well, so, I went there and stayed there for two weeks. And that guy was really cool. Really? Yeah, he was, like, doing a lot of activism work. I mean, it was, like, the idea is that I would be doing work trade. And we didn't end up, like, getting along that well. Uh-huh. Um, but... It's shit happens. But he was great. And and he's, like, doing... Uh, he's, like, a TEDx organizer. And he's, like, really? organizing independent TEDx conferences. And he had just... He had a profile on Couchsurfing. Oh, yes. That's... Yeah, and he had a profile on um, Wolfing. On the Wolfing oh, website. Okay. So that's how I was traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, Couchsurfing. Couchsurfing. That's what my plan is to do. Yeah, so. totally. So I went out to his place out in the mountains, beautiful, up in the mountains, and like basically my symptoms receded. Oh. And it was fine. Anxiety, anxiety dropping? Is yeah. that, oh, yeah. okay. It's like pure results of the anxiety. Oh. So, so then I went backpacking with some folks from couch surfing, <laughs> which was cool. And then I continued my journey. I went to different places and I went to like this, um, cool oh it was a hard krishna yoga retreat oh, in the really? yeah so it's one of those places and it's hard krishnas are weird yeah hard krishnas can be really weird and yeah gandhi yeah yeah I'm like you yeah, it's so patriarchal and like so rules and you eat dairy but you don't eat eggs and that's oh, confusing oh gosh yeah um <laughs> Um, so I was there and then these two guys who were on their own trip came to that place and they were like, we're going to this place called Salento. Magic mushrooms grow on the hillsides and blah, blah, blah. Oh, Wonderful. Goodness. I know. And so up until that point, I had been resisting going to touristy places. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to have like a real experience yeah, and, and stuff. And that's what I was trying. I go out. But my social anxiety, A, my Spanish wasn't very good, and B, my social anxiety was so intense that, like, I just couldn't actually do it, like, yeah. like connect with people. And so it was, like, basically, like, I just gave in, and I was like, fine, fuck it, I'll just be in, like, touristy space and, like, interact with white people, whatever. So, and I just needed, like, another break at that point. Yes. Because our Christian place was weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of made you. Yeah. So, like these two cool guys, and I'm like, I'm tagging along with you guys because magic mushrooms sound great. And so we get there, and so then the first night we are at, we're at this hostel that they'd heard about, mm -hmm. and um, somebody says, "Hey, do you want to come to an ayahuasca 
ceremony. Oh. Right? So apparently the guy that owned that, not only do magic mushrooms grow on the hillside yes. of the town, but the guy that owned the hostel is really, really good friends with um, the shaman of this, uh, it's basically a church, of an ayahuasca church, where they do ceremonies every weekend. Wow. Yeah. And so there were a lot of people staying at that hostel. And then there was a neighboring hostel down the road that I ended up staying at uh -huh. um, for longer term because it was just a smaller environment. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the guy wanted me to, like, I was doing work trade, was painting murals mm -hmm. on the wall as my, like, work trade. That's pretty cool. And doing ma bike maintenance on his, like, fleet of bicycles. Really? Yeah. I need to go back to that place. But That sounds magical. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty great. So then I was staying there, and I just, once I got there, I was just, like, stayed there for a month and, like, had that experience. And I went to the ayahuasca ceremony every weekend. Wow. Because I just had this, like, intense, like, yeah. medical thing. And so then here's this, like, healing ceremony. I'm like, all right, this is this is what I'm doing. So um, I came home, like, that with that ayahuasca, like, basically activated. Like, I had visions of like, oh, I need to perform. I need to be a performer. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, I had this, like, revolution of kindness. Yes. Like, constructing. So my, like, life dream is to construct this sort of traveling show um, oh. that's like a large-scale production uh -huh. that is sort of um, halfway between a facilitated workshop Yes. And um and a uh and a, like a Cirque du Soleil show. That would be really cool. Right, right? Yeah. So so I came home with that and so then I started performing. And so I had like, you know, a couple of stories and I had been writing poetry before I went, but then after I came home from that I just like poof. completely changing, completely yeah, fire in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so then I got my old job back again in Everett uh -huh. after doing that. And then, like, you know, it's like, imagine this, securing this, like, epic psychedelic environment, and then you come home to Everett. Yeah, how is that transition? Because that it's transition rough. would be shocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was real rough. Actually, I first came home to my dad's house for my dad's wedding. And, like, so I was, like, you know, raw, like, out of the, like, jungle like psychedelic experiences <laughs> and i like had all my like you know like tobacco my like little sacred tobacco situation like oh, my dad wow. is like anti-tobacco of any kind oh, really? so i come into his house and like he, this just like one night he just comes storming into the, the room that i'm staying in and he's just like it's like starting to like rummage through my stuff and i'm uh -huh. just like like, no, no, no. Ah, ugh. Anyway, so that was like, and like, you know, it was like the week before his wedding. So he's like, yeah, he's on just edge. on nerve. I know. Stuff like that, yes. this like wild, stray creature that's come oh, back. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, and then it was like a couple of months before I, my, like I actually started my job. So I basically came home and was immediately depressed. Like, why did I come home? Yeah. Why? I like, I didn't even need to come to my dad's wedding. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, like I came home for your wedding. You must. <laughs> exactly. Why? Why you gotta be right. an asshole? Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like, I could have just stayed. Yeah. You know? And he's like, yeah. Like he didn't say that, but it was like, yeah, you could have just exactly stayed. That's exactly what it made you they feel They weren't like. even expecting me to come home. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I know. And so then, so then I got my old job back. So, like, deep 
depression and blah, blah, blah. So like dealing with all of that. And so, um, I worked in Everett for like six months and I knew that I wanted to move to Bellingham because my sister was here and there was just, you know, a really great art scene Mm -hmm. in Bellingham and I was kind of over Seattle in general um, and feeling really kind of disconnected to my life there. And so I came to Bellingham and I think I did one open mic in Seattle at Black Coffee Mm -hmm. right when I got home Um, and it went well. and then I, uh, and then I came to Bellingham and I did Bob Bellingham for the first time because I just heard that there was a circus guild. Yeah. So I did that first Bob Bellingham and then I think I did like every Bob Bellingham for a year. Really? This is a push to myself. Yeah. yeah. And not, they weren't all great. Yeah. Well, the, it was my learning process. That's the thing too, is that like, I have a, a friend right now that, um, I'm kind of helping to get him to, I guess, create a body of work. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that everyone doesn't realize, or not, not that everyone doesn't realize, that a lot of people, the common misconception is just that, okay, whatever I put out is supposed to be fucking the shit. Right. And the reality of it is, is that you're, you're working your material out in front of people, so sometimes you're not going to do well, and sometimes you're going to do well. Yeah. And that's not a representation of your actual skill or your worth. Right. It just means that it's a growth. It's a knowledge economy. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're building. Basically. Totally. So I understand that, and that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and, like, there's just some things, right. like, I, like, it, like, I write, like, one poem every, like, few months. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't write a ton of poetry and like some people can just like sit down and churn out a bunch of poems and they rhyme and shit like that's not like yeah. I like have these like big like thought blocks and like I like sort of craft them and work on them and then like they just sort of like and then just get yeah, huge creative cycles basically and create waves yeah yeah but like you know sometimes I just need to like as part of my creative process I just need to like have absolutely no responsibilities yeah. and just like wake up and smoke Halloween every day and like mm-hmm. let it flow. Exactly. And like that's the only way it's going to happen because if I'm trying to do it like in the snippets in the in between moments it gets chopped up. And that's what uh, what do you call it? There's I think it's Tim Ferriss which is the guy who an author and he talks yeah. about um, productivity and uh, efficiency and utilizing your time and also cultivating creativity and so on and so forth and the biggest thing is is like chunks so you 30 minutes is not the ideal time you'd want like a three hour uninterrupted moment over like three hours once a week right over 30 minutes every single fucking day because you're not you it takes some time to get into it i guess so that's what i've done is that i'll block off Sometimes I'll microdose some acid or something. Yeah. Uh, but we're all just do it sober. It doesn't matter. Smoke some weed. And I'll block off literally like four or five hours and just... Yeah. It'll just... Yeah. I need to do that content. more. Um, that's the... And I think that's the hardest thing is because... Establishing that kind of routine is it, tricky. Exactly. Because I think um, a lot of people, as you see, like, uh, the physical arts where, mm-hmm. you know, you, you I have to set around this amount of time, so on and so forth. Like, I got to... Uh, for, for MMA... I have to spend an hour or two hours every other day or every day or else I'm not going to um, become skilled. I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to learn this. Yeah, and dancing is the same thing. Yeah. Um, But when we look at writing and stuff, uh, the thing that's very difficult, I think, for a lot of writers is actually setting out 
I'm going to write for like three hours as opposed to being like, I'm inspired right now because what I've been learning recently is discipline is freedom and motivation is unreliable because motivation can be swayed by hunger. Motivation can be swayed by mood. Everything. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's learning um, to draw that out of yourself Mm -hmm. eventually. But yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. What time is it? Right. Tennis. Tennis. You need to get some March. Oh yeah, March. Yes. Okay. So, um, you want to? I can do a little, like, little bit beginning and end of my piece. That I would love. Excellent. Yes, okay. and then, um, yeah. Okay. So, um, this is the beginning and the end of the revolution of kindness. Oh yes. <laughs> do you ever feel like you're living in a science fiction dystopia? Every time that twerp tweets, every time I see another white man on the TV screen explaining that climate change is a hoax, even while scientists declare that we are past the tipping point and our industries have destabilized the life support systems of the planet. Burning, mining, fracking, drilling, burn, 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 burn it all. We have released 600 millennia worth of solar energy stored in the crust of her skin. Released it in one-tenth of one millennia. The earth is getting hot. Can't you feel it? We've hurled ourselves over the cliff and the crash is imminent. The only way forward is radical change. Not back the way we came, but a 90-degree turn in a whole new direction. The magic of leadership is dying. Revolution is in the air. Can you feel it? And here we stand at a crossroads where we pass from one world into another. The revolution is in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships, communities, and our environments. Building the new world together. We demand clean water, healthy food, thriving ecosystems, and an economy that works to support all life on Earth. But we're not going to wait around for somebody to come and give us these things. We're just going to stand up and take it. Because we're already doing it. It's already happening. Because... It's the only thing that makes any sense. Oh, I dig it. <laughs> Damn, that is fucking awesome. Thanks. Wow, and I like your cadence, too. Uh-huh. Damn. Do you have anything else that you'd like to um, tell the audience before we go? Um, not particularly, but the, the revolution of kindness. The revolution of kindness. It's coming. All right. And, um, where can they find your art or anything like that? Um, the best place to find me right now is on Instagram. Instagram? Under Phoenix Chicken. Phoenix Chicken. P-H-E-O. P-H-E-O? Yeah. N-I-X? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Phoenix Chicken. I told you she was a character. If you want to check out any of her art, um, you can find the link in the description. And you can also find a link to her Instagram profile in the description as well. She has really cool artwork with mandalas and other illustrations. Yeah. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Um, I'm getting a lot of stuff coming up with the the homeless in Seattle and Portland to better understand that segment of the population 
and I got a couple other ideas drumming up. But I will be releasing one more podcast, and then I'll be out on a trip for a while. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break, and then we'll be back in full force in no time. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy this beautiful fucking weather. It's rainy here in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm loving it. It looks like Jurassic Park. (laughs) Bye.